folks, it's lovely to see you. If you, you're here, maybe visit, visiting family and friends, and you don't know me, my name's Tom, I'm the vicar, and it's lovely that you're with us. I want to say big hello to people in the balcony. Kind of feel that we sometimes miss you guys out, so hello. Uh, are you well? Okay, a bit rowdy today in the balcony, so watching, watching some of you. And um, everybody else here, it's lovely, lovely to ha- have you with us. Hey, come on. It's good to see you. And it's a great joy that Luke is with us. And we're excited for all that God's going to do. And um, if you're not quite sure, if you're here thinking, what the heck was that? Well, we are part of the Church of England, and we're an Anglican church, we're a Baptist church, and we always say, this bit's Baptist, this bit's Anglican, and it usually goes down much better, actually, so obviously, that's just good, good, you know, that helps me level where we're at, that's good to know, and so essentially what it is that Luke has made a a promise, um, and he's making his promise to the bishop, who we trust, he's probably not watching online, but if he is, great to see you, Bishop Pete. And um, my robe's in the dry cleaners after the last weekend. So, um, and he's here because the Lord's called him. And he's here because we believe that the Lord will call him and Hannah to plant a church or to graft into a church in the city of Sheffield. And we believe in this next season, as we've said many, many times, that, that we are to be a church that is to be for the city. And essentially what that means is that we are to give stuff away. And it means that we are to send out teams to different places around the city to love it and to love folks. And that's what we're called to do. And that's not an easy thing, folks, because I'll be brooding. Luke's a cool dude. And there's a few moments where I thought, Jesus, what if everybody thinks he's really cool and wants to go? What's just me and Alan Lamb left? I mean, that could be a lot of fun, Alan, couldn't it? Could be a lot of fun. But we say we need to have the confidence... I sense in this next season, Lord, that as God sends out teams into different places of the city, that he is on the throne. And that whatever the promise is, as we send out the best folks, and as we give people away, then he will keep our church healthy and growing so that we can send even more people out. It means that as we step into a season of change, in particularly in the next from September, as we look at Nehemiah part two, <laughs> I'm just joking. As we start, thank you. As we start to think about what it means to, we've had clusters and we've done that for many many years, and they've been very fruitful. And it's what does it look like for us to kind of form those into house churches and led by ordinary folks? Um, living wherever they are, loving their little patch, their piece of turf for the city. We're going to need to trust the Lord. We're going to need to trust him, that he's in it, and that he's working, and that he can use us. And so the next three weeks, we are looking at the same passage of Scripture. We're looking at John chapter 15, which is called, in my Bible, it's called the vine and the branches, and we'll, we'll read that. And it's, um, it's 17 verses, and we are going to, we're just, each person is going to bring a different perspective on that well-known piece of Scripture. And as each person speaks and shares their views, their reflections, what they believe the Spirit of God is saying to them, then we're going to track with perhaps what it is the Holy Spirit is wanting to say. Because the, the, the weird thing about how we grow with the God and how we see spiritual growth is that it is really weird. 
Because what Jesus tells us is that, that growth comes, fruit comes when we're pruned. Isn't that weird? It's just totally not like the world in which we live. Growth comes, you get more money, you get a bigger house, you get a promotion, you go on in life and you accumulate more and you just grow. Businesses grow through more money, but the kingdom's not like that. The kingdom doesn't work in the same way. The kingdom works by, we'll see in a moment, that the, like a vine, a grapevine. And it's about fruit, fruit that will last, which means there's a gardener, folks, who sometimes prunes. And that's what we're going to think a little bit about today. We'll start with a, a story. Uh, I want to tell you about a Sunday that I have a very, very vivid memory of back in 2013. And it was a particular Sunday because I wasn't here that time. I was a missionary to the south in a place called Cambridge. And thank, we're all steady now. People don't usually get excited about it, but there you go. So it's good that you do. That's a blessing. And there's a particular Sunday, and I remember it. It's about this time of year. It was July because it was around the Wimbledon final. And that Sunday is almost permanently etched in my memory because it's the day that nobody came to church. Literally. Oh, Chris, I don't know if you even came, did you, that day? Yeah, you did? Are you sure? Oh, you, she said she did, but I thought you stayed. I think you got a cold. I think you got a cold and stayed back to watch the Wimbledon final. But then no, no, you say you, you're there. That's fine. And the reason that, it, the reason that it's etched in my mind is because it was at a time in our church's life where there was a season of change. And we were doing a big building project, and so we couldn't meet in the church anymore. And I, and I had taken on overseeing some of that stuff, and I was doing a lot of the organization. Can you believe it, folks? I mean, it really was the grace of God. It was remarkable. And we'd arranged to meet in a local Pentecostal church. Give it the Pentecostal. And they said, you can have our church. And we were there for a whole year. They were so generous. But they said, you can't meet in the morning because we're there. And we weren't that friendly that we were going to join in. So they said, but you can come in the afternoon and you can use it in the evening. So that's what we did. So it just so happened that this one particular Sunday fell on the same day as the Wimbledon final. And there was about four of us there. I think there was maybe five. Because Chris was there. So let's say there's five. There's more. And our kid, and Hannah and she. And literally, folks, we're about to start. There's a guy on a guitar. Even the worship team didn't turn up. So there's one guy on a guitar. We've got the speaker. I think I was leading it. And there's one or two people. You know the people who hate sport? They didn't even know. They didn't even realize there was a Wimbledon final. They just turned up because they were good, faithful people. There was a handful of people. It was, it was like, what do we do? Do we just, get, uh, do we just watch it on the big screen? Do we, I mean, do we meet in the presence of Almighty God? Or do we watch Wimbledon? I can't remember what we did. Can you remember what we did? We carried on. We, 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 we forsook the uh, Wimbledon and we watched. No, we didn't. We carried on. We, we met with the Lord, didn't we? And, and, and in judgment, folks, we prayed for all the people that didn't turn up. <laughs> now, the backstory to, to that for me in that moment was that, was that We'd made quite a few changes in the life of the church leading up to that particular Sunday. And there were changes that hadn't gone down particularly well with some people. So if I'm honest, when we arrived at that Sunday, I was feeling on a little bit of a back foot anyway, because I felt that the, the, the leadership decisions that I had been part of, that I had taken, had not been particularly strategic or helpful. So I felt in that particular moment that 
that I'd got stuff wrong and that I felt there was this kind of nagging feeling in the back of my mind, which is, am I messing this up? I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you've made a decision, you think it's the right decision, but it isn't confirmed by immediate response. You just do it. So we get to that Sunday and nobody turns up. And I'm really thinking, have we got this wrong? And you know when people try to encourage you, but really they're thinking, this is terrible, where is everyone? It was that kind of weird, weird moment. And I remember the following day, meeting with my then boss at the time, called Anne McLaurin. If you've been around our church for a while, you'll know Anne. She was a curate here, Luke, back in 1999, and went off to do amazing things for the Lord. Fantastic, such a great friend. I learned so much from her in a variety, lots of different ways. And I remember talking with Anne, saying, Anne, what if, what if we've got all this all wrong? And you know, what I'd begun to realize is that, is that what was behind my questions were, what will people think? And actually, the real honest question was, what will people think of me? Because sometimes when you go to conferences, this is what I've found, is that people, even in Christian conferences, they're not always different, to be honest, is that people will say, particularly church leaders, have a language that they use, and they'll say, oh, it, my church is amazing. It's grown by 40% in the last three weeks. Or we, 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 we cannot, we have got so many baptisms, it is untrue. I mean, we have people coming off the street, they're falling on the floor, they are getting converted. I mean, it's just those stories that people share. And, and, it, and, and, you're, and I go, fantastic, praise Jesus, that's awesome. But inside I'm thinking, well, we ain't seeing that. But obviously, I don't feel I can say that. So you're then stuck in a, you're then, you're, you're then in a, you're in, in a dilemma. Because you think, I can't say that, but I, I'm happy for you, but I want a bit of that for us. So I was thinking, what if, we're, if we are, if no one's coming to our church anymore, what do you say? And I began to think about, what are my reputation? Because when I was here as a curate, we, in the days of the students, and there was so much excitement, I was like, yeah, but I've seen stuff happen, God. Where, what's going on now? And I remember sp- spilling out my heart to Anne McLaurin and saying, Anne, what will people think? And, da-da, and she said, I don't care what people think. And I thought, well, how can you not care what people think? It's your reputation on the line. And she said, I don't care what people think. And she said to me, words I think are probably never, I don't know, a bit dramatic, I'll never forget, but it was such a powerful moment because she said, I think, Tom, that, that the Lord is pruning our church because he wants fruit to come. And she said, I think, Tom, the Lord is probably pruning you to deal with some of the insecurities that had surfaced in my heart. And it was absolutely true. How does God grow us? Often through pruning. What had happened in that moment is in my professional life, my gifting had come to an end in some sense. I couldn't make it grow anymore. And yet what the Spirit was saying is, I'm not interested in your gifting, I'm after your heart. I'm after the stuff that you're getting your identity from. I'm after the stuff that you're attaching too much value to. 
because I want to show you that I love you more than whether you've got a full church or an empty church. It doesn't matter to him. I love you. And so sometimes God prunes the things in our lives that are unhealthy or unhelpful so that we can bear fruit for him. John 15. Have I read the Bible already? No. We better read it, Joyce, haven't we? Hallelujah. John 15. Jesus says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. Just listen to these words. They're just amazing. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. So Jesus is describing himself. He said, I'm the vine. And it, always, whenever Jesus is telling stories, we have to remember that he's not, he's not talking to sophisticated urban people like us. He's talking to people who, who are so attuned with the land in a, what's called an agrarian economy. They, 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 they live from the land. So, they, know, they, know what, they know about the seasons. They know when to plant. They know what crops. They know about organic stuff. They're like kind of all Monty Don. They know about these things. And so he's beginning to talk about a vine, and a vine is a source of grapes. And so you grow a vine if you want grapes. Grapes are important. So he's, he's most probably speaking with people who have a knowledge of how vines work and what you do with vines. And then there's a deeper meaning as well, because you, we, the reason that we spent so long in Nehemiah is probably because I thought you guys would love it. Hey. But there's a thing in every in the Old Testament... We believe that the Old Testament is full of Jesus. 
that it speaks of a time when Jesus will come. So, so often when Jesus tells us things, he's, there's already been an inkling or an indication of what it means in the Old Testament. So Israel is described as a vine. And often when Israel is described as a vine in the Old Testament, it's often in quite a negative context about not bearing right and proper fruit. And so when Jesus is beginning to speak about the vine, he's, he's talking about what's happened in Exodus. He's talking about what's referred, he's kind of summarizing what's said in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, in Hosea, and Ezekiel, all in the context of fruit. Now, of, of, the goal of a vine is to, produce, is to produce grapes. So everybody will know what he's talking about. And the people that are listening who are aware of Jewish history will know that in the past that Israel has been described as a vine, but not in a good vine. And then he's standing and says, I am the vine. It's me. I am here. And he's, and he's beginning to say that, that, that you can bear fruit if you remain in me. And the way that a vine dresser, that Jesus describes the person who tends a vine as a vine dresser, is that any part of a vine which isn't producing fruit or any part of the vine that isn't needed gets removed. Now, folks, I am a slight gardening geek and I have a grapevine. And, you know, sometimes when it's really growing, I'm definitely checking it once a week, or sometimes I'm checking it a couple of times a week because I'm always looking to remove any bit of the growth that is not helpful. It's, it's on a trellis or a kind of uh, espalier. And so I only want certain bits of the vine to grow. So Because if you leave a vine, it goes rampant. I mean, the roots can be up to 15 feet. If you leave it, they're rampant. And the more rampant they become, the less fruit they produce. So you cut off the bits of the vine that are going crazy, and it produces, forces the growth to go back into the stock, which means the stem. And so then Jesus begins to say, what happens is, is that the father is like the vine dresser, and he comes to us, his children, and he removes anything in us which isn't fruitful. And Jesus is describing this to his followers, who his disciples, who have taken up their cross and followed him. So they've given up life. They've given up their careers. They've followed, they're now following a new way of living. So they have already had part of their lives kind of cut off. And he's beginning to describe why, the, why it is that Jesus does that. And the reason that Jesus does that is because he's saying that the Lord wants to bring fruitfulness in our lives. And the way he does that is to remove, to prune bits of the vine that are not going to produce fruit. Or if they are producing fruit, it might not be the right fruit. Or it might just be they're producing fruit in the wrong part of the vine. That's their only thing. I mean, they're producing fruit, just happens to be not in the right place, so it gets removed. And the Greek word is katharos. And actually what Jesus is saying, that he cleans us through pruning. And then he begins to say that to grow in the Lord, you remain in him. So in the same way that, the, that vines are a theme in the Old Testament, that is overthrows to another theme that rolls throughout the Old Testament and is personified in Jesus, which is the theme of covenant, which is this, that God has made a promise to his people 
that he'll never rescind or never break. And the promise to Israel was that they would be a blessing to the nations, that they would be the most beautiful nation that ever existed, a land flowing of milk and honey, like the spiritual American. Now, you might not agree with that or not, whatever, but it's a sense, it's a place where you'd want to go. It's a place where if you went seeking asylum, you'd be loved and blessed, and the name of God would be proclaimed. That's the vision. The vision is that whenever anybody has any connection with us, we look and taste like Jesus. Taste and see, the scripture says, that the Lord is good. So Jesus is beginning to say, as you follow me, I'll clean you. And I'll remove bits of life that don't look like him or look like Jesus or bring honor to his name. The late John Wimber used to say this, that the way in is the way on. So how do we grow? When we encounter Jesus, we recognize that he is powerful, he is holy, that he died for us, that he brings freedom into our lives. And we say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. We acknowledge that we have been living in our own ways. And we say, Jesus, I want to live for you. It's the same principle. The way in is the way on. And the vine dresser comes along to areas of our lives where we no longer or we're not producing fruit. And he says, remain in me. Why? Because when we're pruned, when the vine is pruned, it forces the growth to go back into the stock. And then it forces the growth into the grapes. What does that look like in our lives? It often looks like something in our life stops, closes, or ends. Might be a job, might be a relationship or a friendship, it might be a church activity, it might be a role, it might be a position. It might be something that you've done for ages and ages and ages and just suddenly stops working. For me, it was back, that came home to roost in 2013 in July the Wimbledon final, all of a sudden, I realized, Jesus, my gifting, my humor, I think I've got a sense of humor, you might not agree. My ability to work the crowd, my ability to, to, to connect with people, Jesus, unless you turn up, it's not going to work. I kind of, in that moment in ministry, came to the end of myself in the sense that I realized, Jesus, it's, this is you. It's your ministry. It's not mine. Something, like a, something seems to stop that used to work and now it doesn't. And sometimes what happens is, is the, the, the language of pruning is really helpful because we realize that it's God is in control, not us. That, that he is on his throne and this thing that we're doing is no longer fruitful and it's his anyway. So he can stop it if he wants because he's got another thing for us to do if we relinquish it to him because it's his. So it's something that we've done for years suddenly stops. It closes or it ends. It could be a job, it could be a relationship, whatever it might be. It just seems to not work anymore. It's a sense of pruning. It's gone. And it's, sometimes it can be things that, that are working really well. And it just makes no sense. So what does it feel like when we're pruned? It actually feels, can be feel really painful. And it can feel really confusing. 
because we don't always know why it's happening. We don't know, especially if it sometimes feels like something great is happening in life, like a pandemic. That is like one global prune, isn't it? We are suddenly, a way of life is stopped. You can't do what we used to do. It's a sense of pruning. It's a sense of re- restrictions, and it doesn't always make sense. But it, often when God does the pruning, he's always looking to bring out fruit, which often means he's addressing our internal world, and he's looking to address our character. That's what happens. It's like a divine reset that happens in our lives. You see, roots are really important. The roots, the healthier the roots, the healthier the fruits. Thank you. So what if there's anger? What if you're more angry than normal, more more grumpy? Just hard-hearted, perhaps. Come to church, you're like, I don't want to be here. What is this guy on about? Maybe you're angry. There's a root in your heart that's angry. And the fruit is you just frustrate your kids or you're snapping. You don't want to be that person anymore. Maybe it's a root of anger, frustration, or a sense of pride. You become more concerned about what you look like on the outside, but you know there's stuff inside that has begun to slip. The Spirit of God wants to come and bring a prune and say, let's address that. Let me clean you. Why does Jesus tell us this, folks? It came to me the other day when I went to London, and I've quoted many times the prophet Alan Partridge who said, go to London, I guarantee you'll be mugged or not appreciated. And I went to London, and I wasn't mugged, and I think I was appreciated, actually, I don't know. And the reason I went to London is because I went to a church called Holy Trinity Brompton, home of the Alpha Course. And they were showcasing two streams, two ways in which they're encouraging more and more people to think about ordination in the Church of England. They talk about the Peter stream and the Caleb stream. And the Caleb stream is to encourage more mature people, as in older, in theory wiser, who might think, yeah, let's go for it. And some amazing stories. There's a guy from Birmingham, and uh, that's near my hometown, and so he got up, he was a uh, he'd been a policeman for 30 years, and he, he got up, and he, he's a brilliant brummy voice, and he said, I left school with one GCE and a cycling proficiency badge. <laughs> and I joined the police for 30 years. I entered the police as a police constable, and 30 years later, I left as a police constable. I was like, hey. He's like, what do I do now? And God opened the door for him, and he's now chaplain, he oversees chaplains in 12 hospitals. It's just amazing what the... The fruit, the Holy Spirit doing in his life. It's amazing. Or other people. So they're like, they're real academic types. Uh, Some guy was a public school headmaster and all stuff in the city, and then he he wanted to serve. And so he 
He gave it a go. Such a lovely, godly man. And then there was the Peter stream. There's a man from Iran who was in and out of prison, a church planter from Iran, in and out of prison. Just a crazy stories of just being hounded by the state. And standing next to him was another man from Iran who was, whose job was in the secret police to persecute Christians. And he converted to Jesus, he'd found Jesus Christ and he's going to be, both of them side by side be ordained in the Church of England. That's not the kingdom of God. And there's a man who, uh, at the age of seven, his father jumped off the top of a tower block in a really dodgy part of London. He left school at the age of 13, zero education, a crazy life. And then God got hold of him to bring fruit in his life. And now he's, getting, he's now leading a church in London. A guy sold drugs for 17 years. His life going one way, a dark way. And then the Spirit of God said, I want fruit in your life. So I encountered him and pruned off all the dark stuff so that the life of God could be released. And there were people, all of whom said, I would give it a go, but I can't see anybody like me. So there were, there were people from um, Asian backgrounds. There were people who were black people from the Caribbean, from Africa. And then there were white baldies like me or skinheads and similar kind of background to me. And, and it was like they were, their life was seemingly fruitless for some of them, going nowhere. And yet the Spirit of God broke in and said, I'll bring fruit into your life. Here's the thing, folks, that God has designed us to bear fruit. He's designed us to be a blessing to the city. He's designed us to be a blessing to our neighbours. He's designed us to be a blessing to our colleagues. And we cannot do that on our own. But here's the amazing, beautiful thing about grace, is that he promises that he will be with us if we remain in him. And so the way that he does that is he removes the stuff in our lives that are healthy and unhealthy in the healthy places. So we say, God, why have you done this? And we have to go back to him and say, Lord, I surrender to you once again my life. And then there's the bits in our lives that are increasingly unhealthy where he says, let me just remove that because I have stuff for you. There is a better way to live your life, a better way to live my life. And in that better way of living life, it's a life that he bears fruit in us. And do you know what? i tell you why the trip to London on Tuesday was so powerful for me. Because 20 years ago, I worked at that church. And I had, my background is different. It's certainly different to most of the people who were there at the time. And I really felt like I didn't belong. And I realized on Tuesday, the Spirit of God put his finger on it and said, there's a root that had grown, an unhealthy root, which had meant somehow I'd always been the outside, always playing the fool, always with a gag. You might have noticed. I felt the Spirit of God say, I've always been with you. You're mine. And it's like in a moment, the root was broken. To embrace the freedom and fruitfulness that God wants to bring to our lives. Folks, we're going to go on a journey in the next couple of years. We're going to send Luke out and Hannah and other folks and see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. We're going to hear that the Lord's speaking to us and maybe there's folks here will start house churches so we can love our city and invite our neighbours and share the faith and life and tell our stories and see what it is the Holy Spirit's going to do. All of that, folks, can only be done through him. Actually, 
Yeah, we've got reputation. But that won't cut it, folks. It can encourage us, and we give thanks. But it's only trusting in the power and the presence of Jesus that will sustain us through it. And he promises to always bring the fruit. And the way that he brings the fruit and the way he brings the growth is to prune us. The good stuff, folks, and the bad stuff. So that we can bring glory to him. I'd love to pray for us. Shall we stand?